Hey folks, hope your Q3 and Q4 is off to a good start. We just wrapped up Founder 500 in Austin, Texas. Hundreds of bootstrap founders showed up. It was an amazing time. I loved meeting so many of you. This interview today is a recording from that session, which you're going to love because now we have visuals, we have the founder teaching, and I made every single speaker include their revenue graphs and real artifacts in their presentations. Without further ado, let's jump in. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Please help me in welcoming Massimo from B to the stage. All right, thank you. Uh, nice to meet you, everybody. Thanks for having me here, Nathan. Uh, I love these conferences because you always go home with a couple of nuggets of really good uh, business advice. And, and so I hope that you get uh, a couple of those uh, from me. So let's get started. Let's see. Small talk for a second. I, yeah. I, I, I think these are in a tough spot. Have <laughs> after lunch, day one slides. We'll get possible up here, though. But yeah, no problem. Let's for a second. So, um, yeah. How many, how many people did you take to your, your event, uh, the, the retreat? So um, last year was about 50 people in Naples, Italy. So we got really lucky because it was literally between two COVID waves. And we just went for it. And we said, well, let's, let's try to do it and let's see if it works. And it was... Uh, um, I think it was uh, the first week week in September or something like that. It was really literally between two uh, waves, and, and it was great. And so, well, yeah, we, we talk a little bit about that uh, and then save time later. So what we found uh, is that Southern Europe is just an incredible place for team retreats. We I'm originally from Italy, and about uh, 50% of our staff uh, is in Italy. So B is about 70 people right now. And so it's also a natural place for us, but we've tried hard to look at other places uh, because the Italians don't want to be in Italy. They would love to come to the U.S., etc. Uh, to give you an idea, this year we're going to go to Sicily again in Italy. And uh, first week in uh, October, about 70 people for the team retreat. And the per person, this is a beautiful resort on the beach, 70 euros per night per person. Um, it's it's practically impossible to find that kind of rate here in the United States. And um, Portugal, Spain, Greece, um, the entire Southern Europe is a perfect spot for all that kind of stuff. And of course, you, you have people flying in from, from different places, but especially if you do it off season, um, you know, you, you can kind of make the math work. And it's so much harder to make it work when you look at places here in the United States, but also UK, you know, and, and many other spots. I'm not, in, I'm not an expert on, on Asia, so we've never actually looked at possibly doing a team retreat there. Um, but um, so the, well, I'll talk about that part of the presentation now, so uh, we don't need to do it later. The B was, uh, we started in 2014. B is a visual builder for building emails, landing pages, and, uh, and other digital assets. And uh, when we started in 2014, we were uh, uh, remote from the get-go. 
and I'm gonna turn it into an interview style to buy him some more yeah, time. Is let's that do cool? It. All right, yeah. so we'll just chill up here. You grab it, you pick a seat, I'll pick another one. You Sounds go first. Good. Boom. All right. Um, yeah, so so first off, you came I got connected to you because you came on the podcast, which yes. is why the why do you agree to go on a podcast where you know you're just gonna get grilled? <laughs> Well, you, you loved it because, so the crazy story about B is that it's a startup within a larger company. Uh, the larger company is called Growens. It's publicly traded in Italy and the valuation sucks. Uh, uh, well, well, yeah, I remember you telling me this. Tell me the actual multiple. So your AR was what and you were trading at what? So Growens, uh, I'm, I'm not t- telling anything that it's not public information. You can look it up. But um, Growens is basically trading at about one time sales. It's not all ARR. So it's about 70 million euros in, in sales, and uh, it trades at about one time that today on the Italian Stock Exchange. And B does around 10 million ARR. And so you were like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. I was trying to convince him to like get money and take it private, right? I'm like, <laughs> wait, you're trading at 1x? Uh, like, let's get well, some Well, the parent company is trading at 1x, and B does 10 million of that, which is pure ARR, uh, is basically hidden in there. and. You know, and so, um, yeah, on itself. All these folks are wanting to look up the ticker on the (laughs) stock exchange. So what's the ticker real quick? Give the name again. It's Grow. Grow. It's it's on the Italian stock exchange. But if you look on uh, Bloomberg, you'll you'll find it. Grow, grow. Okay, cool. So so how did you get in this position? Did you sell the company to the parent company? Are you the founder of B? How does that work? Yeah, the founder in the sense that I was the head of product for it for the group, and then um, um, we decided that this product was was good enough to see if it would stand on its own. And so, um, and the interesting thing is that the company gave this little startup a line of credit. So very much the way you're saying, fund your business, right? So there was no big check that the company, that parent company wrote. Um, And uh, so we started just with a a small MVP in 2014 with a small line of credit from the parent company. And the parent company never actually wrote a big check. So that's the way we did it. And so we started, First revenue was in 2016, and so pretty much uh, zero then, and it's about 10 million ARR now. So it's it's taken you know some time, as as you know when you when you bootstrap, uh, but very solid growth year over year. So it's still a business unit of this larger. So how, what was the size of the credit line? How much money? What's that? The size of the credit line at the beginning. I think it was a half a million. Okay, half a million. Got it. So, and how were they able to recruit you? I mean, why not you just go build this off to the side, own 100%, and do it yourself? I was, I was actually already, I was the head of the head of product for the group, and then I decided when this actually started, you know, growing fast. Uh, since I had built companies before, I said, okay, I'm gonna do this because it sounds like fun. Um, and uh, so yeah, that's how it happened, and it's been fun. And, okay, so now it's growing. So, um, so like, how do you, as a founder who's a creative guy that's driven the growth, how do you capture more of the upside? You're sort of stuck as an employee instead of a bigger company, right? Yeah. So I have I have a, a piece of it because of just uh, you know. Uh, now I ask how big, right? Is that the right question? <laughs> Clap, he'll answer, right? Clap. How much? Huh? How much? <laughs> I, I don't think I could disclose that. But, uh, <laughs> he pushes me, and then, we've got to end know, this interview. Well, trouble. we're done. Enter, you know. We're gonna get in trouble for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's you know, it's. Uh, I think it's a successful example of, and, and again, the parent company is not huge. It's about 450 employees, um, and B now the business unit is about 70. So, but still, it's a good example of how you can limit risk internally and and create a startup, um, you know, that can grow um, organically. Okay, so before we jump into your sides, the first million in revenue. What was the growth channel you relied on? 
product-led. We were product-led uh, from uh, 2014, uh, way before product-led growth was kind of you know a super sexy thing that everybody uh, was talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, in fact, I'm going to show in the slides kind of how this website looked in 2014 and. How you made it work? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so product-led growth, and um, outside of the five hundred thousand dollars credit facility at the beginning, and how is that structured? Was there an interest rate on that, or was it? It. I mean, it's the parent company, so by law, actually, you do have to have interest rate. So, I think it was it was one percent, mm -hmm. something like that. So, it was a, a special, you know, internal. Yeah, loan. I mean, it's not special; it's free. It is. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. We can't beat that, by the way. <laughs> if you have a nice government, go take as much money from them as you possibly can. Um, okay, so got it. So product-led growth. And you guys, again, will see this visually because when you say product-led growth, again, website builder powered by B is the sort of, the, was that the early playbook there on the PLG side? It, so it, it, back then, the job to be done was a bunch of people that uh, use applications that send an email, but the visual builder in that application sucks. And don't think necessarily marketing. It could be a billing uh, system. It could be an HR system. We have a bunch of people in HR. That So when they send an email, do they have a visual builder in the HR tool or does it suck? If it sucks, they're going to look for something elsewhere because marketing is never going to help them. They're at the bottom of the, of the priority list. So that's why B was launched in 2014 at bfree.io. So people that would come, okay, I can visually build this thing and then I'll grab the HTML and put it into my HR system or whatever. So that, that was the initial playbook. Um, and then software companies said, hey, let me embed that thing into my software. And after eight years, the business is still pretty much split in half. So half of the ARR is from software companies that pay us uh, because they embedded our visual builder. And then there's the other so half. Five, five million are embeds, white label style. Yeah, yeah. And five million are direct customers. Yes. And okay, so last question here. So again, why not go raise capital and take this private yourself? It's arbitrage, right? It's trading at 1x right now. Private markets, you could get to 3x. You know, it gets complicated when you're already public. And uh, so it's, you know, first of all, I'm not the expert on this stuff, but uh, it gets more complicated to say, okay, I'm gonna take this piece of the already pub you know, publicly traded company, and then I need to spin it off. Um, but the majority owners didn't wanna uh, necessarily lose uh, majority ownership on, on this asset. And so the idea was let's, let's keep growing it and get to a point where when we do sell it off, it's gonna be such a big win that every shareholder is not gonna object. So that was the idea. Do you, have, do you have leverage there? If, if you told them, let me spin this out or I'm going to leave, would they say, okay, no, please, let's talk? I haven't used that leverage yet. You should try that. that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, it's not my job on the line. I would try it if I was you, see what happens, you know? Um, okay, very cool. Thumbs up in the back. Are we good to go? Sweet. You good All to right. go? Rock yeah, through these bad sure. boys in 15, 17 minutes. So now you guys have context. But again, Team Retreat playbook. And I guess just to set context here, how many of you guys have run a Team Retreat for your own company in the past year somewhere? Just raise your hand. Yeah. Okay, cool. On the count of, think real quick, how much you spent total on the team retreat. Okay. Just think real quick on the count of three you're off that number. One, two, three. All right. So an average of about $1,350 per head is <laughs> what the math was on that. Uh, so take it away, Massimo. Have right, fun. All right. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, so, well, we've, we, we're basically done already pretty much. We've talked about a lot of stuff. So that's, uh, um, so um, we talked about the, the revenue growth that you can see here. Again, it was basically bootstrapped over the years. And um, um, I'm going to 
I, we're going to get to the, the details about running a team retreat, but I just wanted to give you a couple of additional nuggets of what helped us grow over the years. I'm a big believer in having operating principles in the company that are very easy to remember and that everybody talks about because they allow you to create culture and insist on those things uh, you know, as you hire new people, etc. So I'm going to talk about some of them uh, real quick. No friction. As, as I was uh, discussing with Nathan, we were literally product-led from the get-go. So some people had this job to be done. I want to design an email or a page quickly, no code. And uh, we had a product that we thought would help them get the job done. Well, if that is the playbook for you, and product-led growth doesn't work for everybody, as you know, uh, we won't get into that. But if it is something that you want to do, then you have to remove friction everywhere. So the path for somebody to get into that product and experience that value has to be the fastest, the shortest, the smoothest. And so no friction is something that is at the core of what we do. We repeat it all the time because it's a, a constant process of looking at any points of friction and removing it. This is the website in, when we launched in 2014 uh, and we got lucky. It was written up in Hacker News and some other places and we had over 20,000 people that experienced our our builder uh, in 2014, the first weekend, you would select one of those, uh, you know, very simple kind of ugly email uh, templates and get into the pool tool right away. Of course, we redesigned it, but look, there's a, a button that says start designing there. So in, in one click, you would get into the tool. We redesigned it again, of course, and this is how it looks today. So eight years later, you can still with two clicks be into the product. We don't ask you for anything, no email, no sign up, nothing. Thing. And this has been very core in the way we've acquired uh, customers. This creates words of mouth, of course, et cetera, et cetera. So no friction is one operating principle that we insist uh, with, with everybody at B all the time. Another one is always us first. Um, which uh, means if we can be a user of our own product for something that we're talking about, we absolutely need to be a user of our product, a heavy user of the product. And you might say, well, that sounds like obvious. Well, I've been around for long enough uh, and I can tell you that it's actually not. All the time in our own companies, we cheat and we may not use our own product to do something. So for example, when I was head of product, uh, as I was saying yesterday uh, earlier, I discovered that there were some people um, that were some developers that were not using our transactional email system to send a password reminder. And, and why not? When it turns out our own transactional email system was not fast enough. Um, they didn't say anything because people don't want to hurt your feelings, right? <laughs> it's like, but they, they, they weren't using our own software. When we launched the landing page builder at B, Turns out the marketing department was not building landing pages with our own tool. And we're like, okay, what's going on here? It is a landing page builder. Why are you not using it? Well, uh, there's no tracking yet because it was an MVP of that. Okay, we'll add um, you know, integration with Google Analytics. Will you use it then? Uh, actually, no, because uh, we want to host the pages in HubSpot. Okay, so fast forward to today, we have a very, very solid integration with HubSpot and we have tons of people that use B to design and then push into HubSpot. Always as first uh, gives you that understanding of the why. And as Todd was saying earlier, of course, it's not scalable. You're talking about one customer, you know, yourself, but you know that customer so well that you can get into the nuances of if they're not using it, why? Why are they not using it? Third principle that, um, that we use a lot 
best in class uh, on board that the um, uh, presented earlier perfect example they're not just a you know a meeting platform they are a meeting platform for board meetings uh, at the one thing that you decide that you're gonna be really good at you got to be kick-ass and you got to repeat it all the time and again is this obvious uh, maybe but what's not obvious is what comes after that because to be really good at something you need to focus at the point where you say no a ton of times and saying no it's not easy uh, customer department, product department, you know, the sales team, they need to be really good at saying no because they know what to say yes to. They know that we are very good at something and not at the other stuff. And so best in class creates that clarity. Now, how do you know if you're best in class? Um, one of the ways is to analyze churn reasons analyze messages from MPS. We've talked about that now uh, multiple times. We do the same thing uh, that Pendo does, uh, where we go through those uh, um, MPS uh, messages in Slack. So that's a great place to look. Uh, so if, uh, for example, let's say, uh, again, in our case, we're a, we're a visual builder, right? If people complain that it's not easy enough to use or it's not fast enough, okay, that's a real problem because that it's at the core, okay? It means that we're not actually best in class at that very thing. If they're complaining about something else, then that's fine. For example, people complain all the time that you can't access the HTML code through our no-code builder. We're fine with that. That's fine. In fact, I understand that you're not happy and that you may be leaving. Uh, it's perfectly fine because that's not what we want to be best in class at. Um, these are some of the reasons why people were churning um, last uh, you know, few years. Uh, this is our B Pro product, so the online design suite. And if you look at the top four reasons, it's about 60%, uh, over 65%, sorry, of total churn. They weren't leaving because they were unhappy about the visual builder that didn't work well enough, but they just weren't using it that often. Uh, it got the job done for them, but uh, they were done. So I don't want a subscription, so I'm gone. So um, this leads me into the second thing that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, one of these big decisions that we made this year was to fully embrace freemium. It was based on that an analysis of churn and a clear indication that some people just wanted a free plan, a limited free plan, you know, infrequent users. So we decided, okay, let's uh, let's give them a free plan. And I want to just show you a little bit about what happened when we went to freemium. Because again, we did it based on an analysis of churn reasons, but what we found was an incredible uptick in the signup rate in the web visit to sign up. So today we convert 15% of every site visit into a BPO sign up, which is a pretty incredible uh, conversion rate. It's, it's a free plan, but still, it's a really high rate of conversion for a free plan. What happened? Well, first of all, the power of free. We underestimated how uh, sign up free compared to sign up for a free trial really has a incredible amount of uh, positive impact. We drive 25% of visits to the signup page directly from a button like that. And again, we, we looked at, uh, you know, leaders in this space like MailChimp that's been a pioneer in, in freemium from, for, you know, many, many years. That had a substantial impact. Another thing that had a substantial impact was uh, a change in the UI that we made 
individual builder. So on b3.io, you click on start designing, select the template, your individual builder. And then when you're done designing your thing, you click, uh, you clicked on export and we were giving you all these options uh, to kind of prompt you to sign up for a free trial. Uh, over cognitive overload. Uh, we weren't. We were underestimating how much this was actually confusing people. You know, too many options. When we switched to this, uh, there was a 250% increase in the conversion of people that were in the builder and went to the next page. This was easier to do because we had switched to a freemium plan. So we did. We weren't. We need, didn't need to pitch anybody on anything. Just click on save and you're gonna save your email or page into your free plan. Um, but we weren't expecting actually how much this was gonna lead to a substantial increase in uh, uh, the number of people getting to the sign up page. Uh, so just some learnings from, uh, uh, from this because it, it was pretty substantial, the, the amount of uh, increase in signups, uh, overall 60% increase in signups from uh, introducing a freemium plan and a few UI changes. And then the other thing that happened was, of course, you, you, uh, you add visits uh, um, to the sign up page, you, you add conversions, you have users. So we had a pretty substantial increase in the number of uh, active users in the application. Uh, the year-over-year -year rate before was around 17% and it shot up to over 55%. But the interesting thing is that it wasn't just uh, any users, even the heavy users of the application. The growth rate for those heavy users went from around 15% over year-over-year -year to over 30%. So the freemium model actually brought in people that turned out to be heavy users of the product, not just, it wasn't just a solution for the light users of the product. So in this particular case for us, it worked uh, really, really well. Uh, we already talked a little bit about uh, the team retreat. I'm gonna give you some more pointers that might be helpful to you. So again, B, it's been a remote company now for many, many years. Uh, look, you're gonna hit bumps on the road. And the problem with a remote company, well, how many of you have remote staff? Many, many of you. Okay, so you've probably been there where it's all great, but when, when you hit bumps on the road, when people get pissed, when people, you know, um, short temper, that's where being a remote company, it's challenging. Because it might be the wrong word in Slack, it might be, right? So how do you, so you need buffer. You need people to have a buffer with each other where even if they're not, you know, able to kind of just uh, talk it out, getting a coffee, they, they maintain you know, a positive business relationship. How do you build that buffer? I'm absolutely convinced that you need to get people together to build that buffer that will then help you when uh, shit happens. So how do we do that? We do it in three ways. One, the, the team retreat that we talked about already earlier with uh, Nathan, Southern Europe is a great option. Um, I would budget if I were you at least $2,000 a person, $2,000 to $2,500 a person for that one-time company retreat that you do every year. Second, uh, we give managers, each department manager, 
a budget to get their team together. So the development team went to Portugal this year, sales went to Southern Spain, uh, the, cons the customer experience team went to Seattle, Washington, because most of them actually are in the United States and they flew some people over from, uh, from Europe. So that's another uh, budget. It's uh, you know, to give managers of each department. And when you put those two together, you're talking about at least $3,000 a person. So it becomes a big budget item. When people say, oh, we're gonna save a bunch of money by running a remote company, not necessarily. Running a remote company could be expensive. It's a talent acquisition strategy, 100%, because now the total addressable market of people that you're hiring is the entire world, right? Am I gonna save money? I don't know. Uh, this is a big budget item that you're, you need to be very, very aware of. The other th way we get people together is uh, events. So when you go to an event, it could be an event like this, or it could be that you're sponsoring a conference, uh, right, with your sales and marketing team, bring extra people, people that you actually don't need. It could be two, three extra people. It could be new staff that just joined the company. It would take them maybe months to be at the team retreat, but if you have an event coming up, bring them to the event. Um, this is the... Uh, budget um, with the line items of uh, the budget that from last year that Nathan was talking about so you can find it into the you know the the uh, all the files that you get from uh, the conference and I'm happy to answer any questions on that um, one thing that I also wanted to mention is that last year one mistake we we made was we packed the agenda with tons of stuff super interesting stuff but the one piece of feedback that we got from everybody on the team was we need more time, just give them some empty space. We'll fill it up with what we believe that we need to do with our own team, etc. So don't pack the agenda too tight. Um, another mistake that we made last year was uh, too little time for customer support. You know, your customers are still there, like using your product, etc. They don't necessarily care that much that you're in Sicily uh, for your team retreat. So you got to build more time into that. Um, and uh, and finally, uh, last year we did two days, and it probably wasn't enough time. I mean, it's this big thing that you that you that you uh, you know organize. So this year we're actually going to gather for three days for the entire team, and it sounds like it's a more uh, it's a better fit. You can leave some more empty space for people to get together and uh, and do things. Um, so. A lighter agenda might be a smarter idea for this kind of uh, team retreat when you're running you know, a remote team. Um, all right, so I hope you got some nuggets uh, that you can bring home that might be helpful from the rest of the conference, of course. So if you want to go deeper in any of these uh, topics, uh, happy to do it. And thanks so much for having me.